Electric Soil Podcast. Imagination is the electric soil of creation. Hello and welcome back to the show. Today is Dog Day and we have a very special guest, a dog advocate and national best-selling author to boot, Kara Sue Achterberg. Kara, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. And it looks like you're uh, doing a little outside action there. Was uh, some technical issues on your side, but yeah, nice day at least. It's not raining out there, so. Yep. That's good. Uh, where are you actually? Where are you actually from? I was looking at your uh, websites there, but where are you sort of based out of these days? Well, right now I'm in Pennsylvania, York County, Pennsylvania, which is just north of Baltimore. Okay. But we are in the process of moving to Virginia this summer. Virginia. Okay, right on. Excellent. Okay, cool, cool. All right, so I'm just going to, uh, there's a couple of really good sites that I want to uh, sort of plug right off the bat. So basically, I want to get into, uh, obviously, some of your books, your latest book. I want to talk about that one and just uh, some of the other ones as well. Uh, so your two main sites, uh, there is one called whowillletthedogsout.org as well as uh, karawrites.com. So uh, let's start with, actually, let's start with your books there. So I, may, I think your re- most recent book, if I'm correct, is the, uh, it's 100 Dogs and Counting. You released that last summer. I want to say July of 2020. Is that correct? That was my most recent um, dog book. I did have a novel that came out in January, but oh um, no way! But we're here to talk about dogs. Yeah, so let's yeah. Just talk about dogs. <laughs> well, I, I mean, we can uh, we can touch on the the novel there too. You can throw a plug in there for that, the one that you released in January. So you do uh, outside of um, outside of dogs, obviously, for writing as well. Did you want to have a quick uh, quick plug for that one? Well, I you know I was a writer before I was a dog advocate. I mean, I've always loved dogs, but before I be before I got so involved in rescue prior to that, I was a freelancer and I taught creative writing and I oh, was wow. a novelist. Okay. And then the dogs kind of hijacked my life. We started fostering. And so of course I wrote about it yeah. and um, my blog did really well. And from there, um, my agent kind of was like, you know, this might be a good book. So it just, it just sort of spiraled. And then the more I learned, the more I got involved. And then that's where who will let the dogs out comes in. Cause I just, I can't believe what's going on in this country in terms of homeless dogs. And well, it's kind of nice that you can sort of combine, you know, combine the two things that you're passionate about and, you know what I mean? And basically uh, be able to do them both at the same time kind of thing. Right. Yeah, it's awesome. It really is. I mean, it's so easy to write about dogs because I I just feel so strongly about it and there's just there's so much that can be done. So it's it's easy. You know, it was really a side gig, but now that it's my main gig, it's it's a, you know, I don't want to say it's a dream because I wish I didn't have to write about trying to save dogs, but at the sure. same time, it's you know, it's a joy to be able to help any of them. Absolutely. At that point, sometimes I guess I, I would assume it doesn't necessarily feel like work because you do get so much, so much reward and enjoyment out of working with these dogs, I would assume, right? Yep, that's exactly right. But we do want to get into, obviously, there's going to be some degree of, uh, you know, sad parts. Anybody that that likes dogs, I mean, I'm sure that you've seen some pretty uh, pretty sad things. So we're going to get into that. But, um, you know, the overall uh, idea of the show here is to be, you know, fair, you know be uplifting and kind of, uh, uh, I guess, empower people as far as what they can do to sort of make a difference and all that sort of thing as well. So uh, you had some good uh, good information on your site. So it's the whowillletthedogsout.org. Just about like what folks can do, uh, maybe that are that are wondering 
and there was actually some really good information that I didn't even know about. Like, so basically you're kind of framing it as, you know, it's, it's our taxpayers dollars that are going towards some of these shelters. So we, you know, we have a right to kind of stick our nose in and go, Hey, what kind of treatment are these dogs getting? And that sort of thing. Can you, uh, yeah, I guess just basically shed some light on, on, uh, on like the, you know, the, the homeless shelters and some of the homeless dog situations that are, that are occurring right now. Well, it's, you know, it's different state by state because we don't have any kind of federal, you know, overall guidelines for sheltering. So every every state figures it out on their own. Like, for instance, Mississippi doesn't have doesn't have shelters. So everything in Mississippi is, uh, you know, nonprofits that have sprung up trying to fill the gap, sometimes better in better ways than others. And sometimes county governments that are sort of funding. It's very a hodgepodge there. Mm. But then like in a like um, uh, Tennessee, it's still a dog pound system. So most of the counties out to, out in the western part, especially, they literally have a dog pound. And you know, you'd, I didn't. I was shocked by this. In fact, when I went down to see it the first time, and I was going out with a woman, a woman who runs a fabulous rescue outside of Nashville called Rare. And we were driving out to go see it. She kept calling it the dog pound. And she kept saying, I don't know if the dog catcher is going to be there. And I thought she was just, you know, I don't know, saying those things because she thought that way. But literally quite little dog pounds and the people in them are called dog catchers. That is their title. Um, and they're not like trained in many places, not in all places, but in some of the mm. places, these dog catchers are just people who wanted the job. They don't have any specific mm. training because literally they're holding the dogs for the prescribed amount of time. Uh, if the owners don't show up, then they take them to the local vet to have them destroyed. So yeah. it's different in every state, you know, like, and there are states where like South Carolina has been making great strides, getting better and better all the time. But one thing I do try to h- tell people who are trying to advocate in any area is most of the time, these are your tax dollars. You know, it's very expensive to kill a dog. It's very expensive to house a dog indefinitely, which is what some states do. They kind of warehouse these dogs because they don't want to be labeled as killing dogs. Mm. Um, but it's your tax dollars, and you could use that money to develop programs that bring and dams and partnerships with rescues. None of those things cost a lot of money. They're a lot cheaper than killing dogs. So if you go at it from that angle, sometimes you can get, you know, county executives or whoever is making a decision to respond when you go at it from a fiscal standpoint. Mm. No, that's interesting stuff. It is. It's kind of strange. That it's such a mixed bag, eh? Like throughout from, like you say, from state to state. And you're kind of talking about yeah, the old pound and the dog catcher. It seems so almost archaic, right? You're talking like, you know, the, it's almost how the, the old Looney Tunes cartoons with the, it just seems like such a, uh, you know, something from the past. So to think that that's still, you know, uh, the approach that's, you know, some states are taking is, uh, yeah, kind of bizarre almost, right? To think that it's just so far back, but. but it was a shock to me. It was really a shock to me. And I think that was partly like when I went down the first time I was so naive, I wrote about that in 100 Dogs. We're so naive thinking we're just going to go down there. We're going to bring them all these donations and it's going to be this like, I I don't know what I thought. I guess it was going to be this fun trip to see where my dogs were coming from. And then seeing the reality of it, I just, I can't tell you how many times I stood in a dog pound or a shelter or a rescue. Um, A lot of the places down there, shelters, the dogs are housed outside. So I'd be standing out in a, you know, a dirt yard looking at cages of dogs and i would think how can this be happening i just i just it didn't feel real and i just thought if people could see this they wouldn't stand for it there's no excuse for it in this day and age no excuse right. for it 
For sure. Well, let's get into the book here. So your latest uh, book there, The 100 Dogs and Counting. I guess what is sort of the, uh, yeah, just walk us through sort of the premise. You kind of alluded to sort of what some of the inspiration for the book itself was. But um, if anybody's sort of interested in checking out the book, what is sort of like the, uh, I guess, the premise and everything uh, to do with uh, 100 Dogs and Counting? So it starts out with my fostering experience. So I was fostering a really difficult dog, um, one of the hardest I've ever fostered. And I got to the point where I was like, this is insane. I don't want to keep fostering. I don't want to be fostering when I'm 100. Why is it that there are still so many dogs? Like I've, I've fostered almost 100 dogs at that point, And I thought, well, how come it's not any better? Right. <laughs> and um, and so then I decided I was going out on a book tour for the, my previous book, which was about fostering called Another Good Dog. And I was going south and I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to go see these places. I'm going to go find out where these dogs are coming from. And so that's the book's journey. It's, it's the fostering experience at our home and running into some of the hard parts of fostering. My first book, Another Good Dog, was about all the, a lot of the fun and embarrassing and joyful and ma- amazing moments of fostering our first 50 dogs. But as we got deeper into it and started to have more difficult dogs and started to foster litters of puppies and mm. Um, it started, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot that's hard about really hard and about stringing. So that dog all the way through from being rescued from a shelter into landing in a loving home, sometimes that can be a really rocky journey. And so the first part of the book is about that. And then the second part of the book is about, or actually the second two thirds of the book is about going south and going to these shelters and discovering and learning what was going on and then going back again and again to try to learn more about how we fix this. Because I do believe it's fixable. I saw it in many places where, where it's fixed. And while there's sad things in the book, it's a very optimistic book because mm. I really do believe we can fix so much evidence of that. And so the book and, and the the um, initiative who will let the dogs out. Those are both just ways I'm trying to raise awareness because I, I believe in people. I think we love dogs in this country. And if they knew what was going on, you wouldn't stand for it. We'd fix it. So that's my attempt right now. You know, I need a bigger microphone, but mm-hmm. I wrote this book, which came out during the pandemic. And, and now um, with who will let the dogs, we're still traveling. I just founded that with my friend, Nancy Slattery, who's a professional photographer. And so together we visit these places and we share pictures and stories, trying to raise awareness and resources for these people that are heroes and men are down there fighting these dogs. And so that's what that's about. We're even, we have a film that's coming out or coming out, going into festivals this summer. And I'm excited about that again, just to raise awareness because if, if people knew they would, they would want it. We could fix this. I know we could. Man, yeah, I was gonna mention the film. I, I I read that on the site that uh, that you guys were planning that. So I think I mean that that could be huge. Uh, you know, the, just the visual. Like I mean, it's one thing to read. Maybe not everybody. Uh, you know reads as much as uh you know from back in the day right but as soon as you get a a video and if if you can even like clips of it can go viral or you know if it gets into the right people's uh you know vision and so forth man i mean a picture is worth a thousand words and a film can be so effective so i wish you all the best of luck with that i thought that was a great idea as soon i want i'm glad that you brought that up so uh so that'll be getting released over the summer is that what you're saying so it's um it's a short documentary film called Amber's Halfway Home and it follows one day um, with Amber of Halfway Home Rescue as she goes into the dog pounds in Western Tennessee and she rescues 19 dogs in one day. 
and wow. then it follows those dogs and what what becomes of those dogs. Um, so it's a good, and it's a and Amber's just an amazing person, and she does this with her family, her four kids, and her husband, and, and on a shoestring doing everything they can. Um, and so it's her story, and I'm hopeful that when people see that and they and they see her and how real she is and how big her heart is and and meet some of the people working in the dog pounds and the veterinarians that are helping and the rescue advocates and the foster homes, like showing all of that. That's the hope. Absolutely. No, that's, that's great. That's great. Uh, when you're talking about like foster dogs, it's going to inspire. So we're going to be in the right set of eyeballs. The person who can, can make the, make the difference. And then um, in the fall, we'll start screening it for anybody and everybody who wants to see it. We'll, we'll travel anywhere to any group. You pay our travel and our housing, and we'll bring the film to you for free. Wow. So we'll screen it for any group. Yeah. Our only condition, other than paying our travel and our housing expenses, is that we want to have a discussion afterwards with the viewers about, and now what? Now what do we do with this information? I think that, oh, man, that's a great, that's a, kind of thinking outside the box. I love that idea. That's really cool. So, I, I mean, best of luck. Honestly, best of luck with the uh the filming and the screening and just getting the word out, helping get the word out. Fantastic idea and just a great cause. I, uh, yeah, I got yeah, all the best of luck to you guys on that one. That's, that's great. Um, so you were kind of talking about some of the, I guess the, oh, man, a hundred dogs that you fostered. So obviously varying sort of like temperaments, varying mm-hmm. ages, um, you know, uh, varying, uh, you know, amounts of time that you've had to have some of these fosters. You kind of alluded to it earlier. Some of them have been a little bit troubled. What can us as, as people, I think, we know now, you know, as, as our relationship with dogs, it isn't necessarily about training the dog because the draw, the dog will often react to how we are reacting to, to it's, it's, it's sort of a conjoined thing, right? So what can you, uh, I guess, kind of say to some new dog owners or, or, you know, maybe people that are inspired to go get, uh, you know, uh, a rescue dog now from maybe listening to this interview or reading one of your books, what is uh, just some of the uh, the groundwork that you got to remember when you have these dogs and, you know, maybe they aren't uh, behaving the way that you want? What are uh, some of the, um, I, I guess, some advice that you can give them? We always tell people who adopt any of our dogs that the first thing when you take them home is to keep their world very, very small. These dogs have been through a lot. They've seen a lot, whether they came from a shelter or whether they came from a foster home. They need you to keep the world really small. So we we always tell people to do what's called a two-week two week shutdown. So for two weeks, you keep that dog either in a crate or on the end of your leash. So you are always tethered to it, basically. So it's always with you. And even if you let it loose in the house, you keep a leash on it. Because the world is just, you, you, want, to set this, you want to set this dog up for success. And the best way to do that is, is to make it an easy transition for them so that it's not there's not too many new sights and smells by creating the dog. You're letting it get used to the smell and the sounds of your house without it having to interact in any way. Um, and so it just gives it time to like, you need to give dogs time to adjust and they've been through a lot. So keeping their world small and not introducing them to different people them everywhere get home let and let down and yes, would they would have so much more success down the road if just initially they could let the dog adjust slowly and then other, other than that it's you know they're individuals and you have to work with them my latest adopter adopted a dog that we fostered over a year and i love these people because when i said to them okay so she's been a little challenging she'd been returned twice this dog 
And I said to them, you know, if you want to have a trial adoption, you could have a trial adoption. And they said, no, if we adopt this dog, she's our family. We wouldn't return a family member. We're taking her home. If we have a problem, we'll get help. We'll get a trainer. We'll find somebody. No, if we're taking the dog home, it's our dog. And I loved that. And I wish more people had that attitude. So many people want to turn key dog, a dog they can just take home, plug in, and they're perfect. And they, you know, walk nicely on a leash and they don't bark at anyone. And, you know, they never bite anyone. I mean, it's just, it's maddening to me, the expectations we have of these animals. And, uh, and, and, you know, if we just take our time and let them be who they are and let them become part of our family and treat them as such, then I think they'd have more success. No, that's great advice. No, for sure. I like that. I like that. Um, what can you talk about? I guess now that you've seen everything with like shelters and all that, I, I, I kind of would like to talk about, I guess, like the idea of like breeders and, and that sort of thing, I guess, potentially a controversial subject with you. I just, um, you know, there's like so many people that would, would pay good money to have these, these, uh, you know, purebred dogs versus just going in, uh, you know, rescuing a dog from a shelter. Is that sort of a sore spot for you? Or do you kind of understand where people, again, I almost kind of like, I'm kind of uh, piggybacking on your idea of like a turnkey dog. So somebody like, mm-hmm. you know what, I want the perfect golden lab. So I'm going to go to this breeder and spend $3,000 on this potentially sort of inbred dog. And, you know, it's unfortunate mm-hmm. that won't, won't last as long. I'll have health problems versus like, uh, you know, going down to a shelter and, and, and giving this, uh, a dog a second try like i guess what is your uh sort of opinion on breeders versus rescues or or where do you land on that i guess oh that's a big one um well first of all you talk to any behaviorist they're gonna say tell you they see as much or more from purebred dogs as rescue dogs in terms of behavior issues okay Um, especially puppy mill dogs i mean you're taking such a big chance on what you're going to get at that point because they the way they've been raised and the way their parents have been raised is just tricky. Whereas a rescue dog, you know, in fact, even if you walk into a shelter and you adopt a dog out of a shelter, who's like friendly and sweet and loves everybody, man, that's gotta be a really resilient dog. So I almost think you're better off with that dog than almost any dog because you're seeing dogs at their absolute worst. When you go to a shelter, absolute worst, Hmm. they're going to be more aggressive or shut down or more whatever. Cause you know, just like think about a person in prison, um, so, so adopting from a shelter, you have, I think, much better odds of getting a, a nicer dog, especially if you can have some time with it. And adopting from a foster home, you've been, you have a great chance too, because the dog's already been introduced to a home and understands what a home is like, and um, and can you know that we can tell you if it's going to chase your cat, we can tell you if it's going to be on your floor, I can <laughs> tell you if you up your shoes or like you know I know all of that because I live with this dog. So adopting from a foster home is also, I think, more of a sure bet. You know, the bottom line is, and Kim Cabin wrote about this in her book, The Dog Merchants, is that if just one third of the people who are planning to go out and buy a dog this week instead went to a shelter or rescue and chose a dog, we would empty the shelters this week. No way. That's easy it is to do. If a third of the people who are planning, that's all, then that's the only amount of number, that little bit of tipping point. Because I I can't spout off the numbers right off the top of my head. Sure, sure. I know there's like six million that are in shelters and then so, so many million that people are looking for a dog and so many people, million are trying to buy. And if you shift that number, just a slight little bit, Man. it would, it would change everything. So, so yeah, I do feel strongly that it, unless you, I mean, some people go to a breeder because they need hypoallergenic or, mm-hmm. I mean, that's probably the biggest argument, or maybe they've all their lives long to have a certain breed, I guess. Sure. Maybe a little bit. 
or if you are into showing dogs, maybe that's it, or you need a working dog. Those are reasons, I guess. But for all the people who could go to rescue, went to rescue, like I said, I I wouldn't have to keep writing these books. I wouldn't have to travel or make a movie or do any of this. If I mean, it's, that's this one little tiny piece of it. That's so, you know, so, so I, that's my one, that's my feeling on the breeding versus rescuing, but but I'm not going to, you know, I love dogs and I love people who love dogs. And so wherever you get your dog, you're a better person because you have a dog. I just prefer you go to a rescue, but that's just me. Absolutely. And I, and I knew that was going to be a bit of a tricky question for you, but you answered it just brilliantly because, you you know, you're seeing all sides. Like you say, you're acknowledging the fact that somebody might, yeah, you kind of want a specific breed or, or, or that sort of thing. And they, at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, they're, they're fans of dogs. So, but um, I also get, I mean, what a, an incredible stat, you know, that, like you say, the third of, a pe- of people that want dogs, that just that shift, like that's, um, I would, I would have never known it was sort of that within that you know, degree of striking distance almost. So that is definitely mm-hmm. something to get out there. I'm really glad that you, uh, that you brought that up. That's awesome. So, um, just a little bit of connect- connectivity issues with us today a little bit. So I'm going to, uh, I would love to have you back on though, uh, Kara, and we can uh, continue talking dog, uh, you know, uh, sometime down the road, but, um, yeah, there's definitely, uh, just some of your responses are getting a little bit garbled, unfortunately, but, um, I, I just want you to give you a chance uh, just uh, just to kind of wrap things up here. Um, just a little bit more about uh, your sites or where people can kind of find you online or basically uh, your two websites there. Anything else uh, as far as reaching out to you? I love to hear from people about books or about dogs or about rescues. Um, we are getting ready to go back out on the road with Who Will Let the Dogs Out. Um, so we're always looking for places to visit. We are hoping to get to, we're definitely going to get to Florida and Georgia this year. So if you know of places down there that could use a little light shown on them. We would welcome that. You can always reach me through my website, Kara writes and Kara's with a C Kara writes.com. There's a million connections there. 100 dogs and counting is coming out in paperback in September. So I will be touring with that this fall. So again, looking for bookstores, looking for rescues, people who want to hear about the book. Um, and at that point I will also have the film at my disposal. So we can also screen Amber's halfway home for anybody who would like to see it. Um, we just ask that you pay our travel and um, housing expenses and that you let us have a discussion after the film with the viewers about what we can do to fix this. So yeah, that's that's me. And thanks for having me on. I'm so sorry about the connectivity. This hillside, this part of why we're leaving, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's really tricky and the wind kicked up like partway through. So that might be part of it. But I would be more than happy to come back, talk dogs. Absolutely. Anytime. I would love to. Yeah. And best of luck with the, the, like everything that you got going on there. Just such fantastic stuff. Um, good luck with the move there as well. I guess you said to Virginia, did you say? The mountains of Virginia. Oh, beautiful. That's going to be fantastic. So best of luck with that. Moving can always be a little bit stressful, but it's kind of sounds like you're uh, on the move more often than not anyways. So it'll kind of be right up your yeah. alley. So, <laughs> so thanks again, Kara, <laughs> all the best. And yeah, we'll definitely have you back on and, uh, yeah, I will. Uh, I will send all the links for um, all your sites and everything on the bottom of the uh, the show notes episode, and I will send you the link of the episode when I post it. Awesome, thank you. Yeah, and thanks so much, and great talking with you. And we'll uh, we'll talk to you down the road sometime. Awesome. Thanks. Bye, Kara. See ya.